Waiting for Seconds is a podcast that talks about subjects of self-harm, suicide, eating disorders, and other personal subjects. If you don't feel comfortable listening to this podcast alone, listen to it with someone important to you. May that be a teacher, a parent figure, or someone you feel comfortable being with. Please enjoy the rest of the episode. do like a a dry run into the beginning but that's not a dry run what is uh what is the thing that most comedy shows do at the beginning before they actually start the episode you know what i'm talking about most comedy shows do yeah uh a cold start cold open yes thank you a cold open i've always wanted to do a cold open well, you know, talking about how you want to do a cold open is a pretty good cold open, I guess. <laughs> there you go, Shannon. I Wait, are we in the cold open? We're, we're, we're in, in the cold open! Fourth wall broken cold open, so it's even colder because <laughs> all the air has escaped into the vacuum of the fourth wall. Welcome to Waiting for Seconds, the interview uh... podcast where we meet people and ask them who they are and why they are. Today, like always, I am gathered... Uh, with Malcolm Out- Outkelt, and I'm Shannon Miller, and today we will be talking with uh, Aiden Simon. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Bam, cold open done. I'm still processing the fact that you set up a cold open by saying you wanted to do a cold open. I did it! <laughs> and not even knowing what it was called, either. A dry open. <laughs> it's a dry open. God, Ew. the British would be ashamed of how dry that open was. Anyway, <laughs> hello. Uh, my name is Aiden. I also go by an unnecessary handle of aliases, but I'll limit it to three. Uh, Mofrog most commonly... Malcolm most commonly calls me Val, <laughs> which is the current online handle that I use. I also go by Damonus, Ramus. They're just online handles that I adopted in the gaming community. And I also go by my middle name among more professional settings, which is Lawrence. That's a new one for me. You don't know me on a professional level, so yeah. That's true. (laughs) I guess this is professional now, so now I know you by Lawrence. Okay. I mean, professional, but simultaneously online. Yeah. Still online, so if if you call me Val during this, I will not be upset. Since I'm pretty sure that's what both of you are most comfortable calling me. Yeah, I'll probably yeah. call you Val. Yeah. For the rest of this podcast. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's most comfortable calling you Val because, I mean, I've known you online for like five, six years now. Jesus. And we've never met in person or seen each other's faces even. I mean, in person. Yeah. Yeah, we've never been physically in front of each other. I was about to say, no, I, we have been on cam together. We've I have been on commented video on sure. The unnecessary mm-hmm. amount of Hawaiian shirts you own. <laughs> They're great. They're just so comfortable, man. They're good shirts. Uh, yeah, because we met back in. Oh God, I don't even. Remember. I was in high school. MRG. Uh, I was. I was administrating one of Gilly's larger servers. Uh-huh. For her. Uh huh. Yeah, and I joined, and 
you hated me because I caused you, trouble. No, you personally did not cause trouble. Shannon, his brothers, were just the shit-disturbing group, and I was always policing them, and you were always with them. Hell yeah. And then you invited me to a uh, tabletop game. Which, yeah, you declined the first one. Yeah. Which is good. That was a complete crapshoot of a homebrewed system that I was made in, making up on the fly just because I wanted to progress a story. I, I still don't know why most people call that my favorite game or their I favorite game that I've run. Out of like a major vast majority of my player base for tabletop games still say that that is either their favorite character they've played, favorite setting they've run in, or just favorite campaign in general. And I am sitting here like the rules were I told you what happened as they went. There was no book. This was the most janked thing I could have done. I mean, there is something special about a jank, improvised system. Just, like, having fun, everybody working together to make a fun system, and bullshitting. Was this There's the Skyrim? That. This, this was the Skyrim setting, and to be fair, I did spend so much time learning the lore so I could do it inside and out. Mm -hmm. hmm. That you didn't have time to put into the system? Yeah, that well, not even that I didn't have time to put into the system. That's just that I didn't care to, and I didn't think I needed to, because I'd never played a tabletop before running this game. Mm. I looked at it and went, okay, cool. Roll dice, dice determine success, modifiers are a thing. That is all I took from it. Every ability, spell, everything, I just ripped from Skyrim and put on paper. <laughs> you generated health by your constitution times 10. You generated stamina by your athletics times ten. Yeah. You you generated mana by your arcana times ten, and I looked at the I took the D and D sheet and just went, yes, I know how this works. When I did not, and I distributed. You had skill points and attribute points, and you got them on alternating levels. Mm -hmm. You basically just played Skyrim, but. Without yeah. the limiters of Skyrim. Uh, yeah, I took Skyrim and put it on paper. And then let people have their fantasy Skyrim game. Uh, in hindsight, yeah, I know exactly why people really loved that game. Because that's fucking fun. Yeah, yeah that but, would be better you know, than now that I, Skyrim. Now that yeah. I stopped looking at it through the eyes of D&D, &D, Vampire the Masquerade, Cyberpunk Red, Cyberpunk 2020. When I stopped looking at it through the eyes of other tabletops and I look at it, what it was to us back then... Mm -hmm. Because I lost the rose-colored glasses for that system. I oh, look yeah. at that system like, God, that is hot garbage compared to what I DM now. Or oh, yeah. GM, storyteller, whatever you want to call it. Whatever I do now, the Skyrim system, and I use the word loosely, <laughs> feels like the biggest insult to tabletop genre I could do. But it wasn't meant to be a tabletop. It was meant to be a video game personified in roleplay. And additionally, it was a very good excuse to hang out with your friends. Oh, yeah. I like. I will say, the ambition I had at the time period of running that still blows my mind, because I ran a 12-party game between two to five players per party, and it was a West March with a singular DM across two continents of space. I don't know how the hell you dealt with that. I look back and there wasn't a single point where I had burnout, stress, or anything. 
sessions were on the fly, scheduled as you go. Parties interchanged players. They did their own storylines. No one finished the main quest that was the, supposed to be the hook to drive everyone to one location. <laughs> no, the people who solved the main quest ascended to uh, by theism. They'd become the only two gods, looked at the problem, and just willed it away. And the rest of the uh, the rest of the parties just became pirates, or uh, so one bandits. of them became pirates. A couple of them became bandits. Uh, a group became wannabe military soldiers with no action, actual military sanction. They just found dead soldiers and took their uniforms mm-hmm. and were baffled that they weren't being recognized by the military. But regular civilians were just doing that. Yeah. Hmm. Is Skyrim a personal favorite video game of yours? <laughs> it's in my top 10. Where it sits in my top 10 definitely varies. Depending on the day or the mood. The day or the mood. Uh, actually, that's a great segue for my favorites along with my personality change quite drastically because while undiagnosed, most therapists and psychologists that I did see in my life are quite convinced that I have underlying traits of borderline personality disorder. So most of my brain chemistry feels incredibly unstable throughout my time. So one week, and my friend group points this out to me quite often, I will have one strong opinion, trait, or belief that suddenly is not being carried over to the current me. And I don't realize when those changes and my favorite genres and themes shift with those. I've tried to create a stable persona, not really a stable personality, but I have a persona that I try to stick regularly to. So having favorites is difficult. I can say I liked Skyrim enough that I went and got Dova runes bordered around one of my first tattoos simply because impulsive yeah (laughs) it looks good yeah but then on another note i have the dragon age logo just in bold ass smoky patterned red yeah on my forearm and i love the dragon age lore i've tried to run the dragon age tabletop a couple times now mofrog you've or malcolm you've played in it yeah and the uh Dragon Age system. It it's a lot, but Skyrim's definitely up there. Halo is also huge nostalgia factor for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was one of the first games that I got really good at and started caring about ranked for a while. Yeah, you uh, were one of the best players in the world for a while, right? I briefly, very briefly, broke. It was on that. So Bungie used to have its own rankings like website where you could go look at things. Mm. I briefly hit 57 for average KDA for I think three, maybe four weeks. Damn. I got I got linked it by my friend. He's like, dude, your kill death average for the uh, there was a I forget what it was called. It was during Halo Reach. There was an MLG matchmaking law like section you could join into that was 
more tryhards, right? It was the oh, tryhard yeah, yeah. Wasn't necessarily ranked, but it was a tryhard lobby. And the old Bungie website, I don't know, I don't think they have it up now. I think someone else took it over to show it, but I don't think they translated the shit right. But Bungie's webpage, you could go look and see your stats specifically for joining that type of play, right? Yeah. And that was where I got my my buddy linked it because we were still entering tournaments while they were around for Halo Reach quite regularly. And that's we were using the hardcore lobbies to practice and try mm-hmm. and get better for tournaments because we were making returns on our investments for the tournaments we had to ante up into. But yeah, I was 57 in that quote unquote ranked attempt that Reach did. God damn. For God damn briefest point of time but the like muscle memory and skill that it took to keep that i think there was a six month stretch where i played 18 hours a day damn and slept for the other six yeah this was during a like portion of time where i was not caring about school Mm -hmm. and i just was rarely going to school and i was yeah i was averaging 16 to 18 hours a day, I'd say. And then sleeping through school. I would go to school to sleep, basically. (laughs) Poor teachers. Eh, My grades weren't really affected by it. You were good at the quizzes and submitting things in time. I was really good at the tests and self-regulated homework. And most of the time, when I wasn't playing video games, I was hyper-fixating on a subject of school, so I was mm. weeks ahead of my classes when I actually hyper-fixated. You hyper-fixate now, on something, get weeks ahead, stop paying attention to it until you were back on track? Till it, yeah. Cause I was, but if I didn't care about the subject... <laughs> <laughs> Good luck to those teachers. Like, yeah. There were a handful that even for subjects I liked, if the teacher wasn't able to keep me engaged and I didn't have a spurt of hyper-focus on it, I just stopped caring. Mm. English, I was always struggling in, though. But that's largely due to the dyslexia. Yeah, that's a hard thing to just uh, ignore. Yeah, like... I got an individualized learning plan, which I'm sure made it easier for my lackluster performance in the actual classroom setting mm-hmm. for that time period. But not, I actually – that started around grade 10 where I got super into the video games at that level. Yeah. But grade 9 and prior, I was – I was like B-plus averaging. I was like a really dedicated student. Damn. And then I watched my older brothers and older cousins finish college, just get out of that, and their education meant nothing. And I kind of hit a point of like, okay, well, if their education means nothing, why am I following those footsteps to also have it mean nothing for me? Mm-hmm. So I dropped that and went way too hard into the Vidima games. Also, Shannon, you spelled my name wrong. Uh, you spelled Aiden the English way. How dare you? Oh, yeah. 
Not the oh. uh, British way. No, he spelt it the British way, not the uh, Scottish and Irish way. Ah, oh, tis an A. Well, did you ever have any really super impactful school moments? I mean, school's like a everybody went to school. It's a universal yeah. experience. Did you have any uh, things that really stood out for you? Other than not couple, being there? A couple. Um, very few with teachers. A lot yeah. more with just conflicts with students. Mm. I did have three teachers that like really impacted me, if that makes sense. Um, so one teacher, Miss Knutsgaard, was very, very not willing to let me sit on the fact that I was intelligent enough to be doing better in school, and she was hard trying to pull me out of the uh, – how do I word it? She wasn't going to let me – waste my potential is mm. was her mindset on it and mm. i kind of stopped and went you know school's not really where my potential thrives i can self-educate for most things school's a avenue to grab certificates or degrees if i want them not to learn and she just looked at me dumbfounded when i came at her with that another super impactful moment is when i was actually skipping school and my computer science and yearbook teacher, Mark Van Camp, was behind me in line <laughs> at Tim Hortons. I, I remember he walks up. I hear someone come up behind me while I'm in line out. thinking like, whatever, I'm in line. Someone's behind me. And I just hear, <clears throat> Mr. Simon. And I turn to look at him. And just blank expression. Mark. Didn't, didn't call him by his last name like I normally did. Just Mark. Straight in his face. Deadpan like this was fine. This was fine. This is nothing weird about this at all. And he, he a little bit taller than me at the time, leans down. Shouldn't you be in class? And I'm like, shouldn't you? Because <laughs> I was skipping his class is the best part. <laughs> <laughs> I, Wait, like, it's it's not like he could have had a free period, because I know teachers get those. No, it was his class that I was absent from. Why? I don't... I I wanted hmm. Tim Hortons. So during lunch, I walked to Tim Hortons, and it was too far away to make it back in time for class. Well, he wanted a coffee. So he said, screw it, and drove to get a coffee. Right during his class? Right before his class would have started, basically. So he was going to come back. 15, 20 minute late. Did he tell he people? No, he just did it. He was a year <laughs> off retirement. He did not. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, fair. He was like, a, he was supposed to retire the first year I had him. And then he extended it out, I think, two years. Because his first year teaching, he taught my mom. It was the first class he ever mm -hmm. taught my mom was in. He taught math. Mm. And he remembers her vividly problematic student and then he also is a dj and a photographer around town outside of being a teacher so he dj'd her wedding and i i was there 
And so he decided, I'm going to see your graduation through, basically, is what he, he told me. I don't think that it, that was the only thing, but he inflated my little ego back in the day when I was super, <laughs> super depresso at socializing fails. But no, so we're both skipping his class. <laughs> and he cuts in front of me in line. Mr. Simon. Cuts in front of me in line. And I was like, <laughs> all right, you know what? Fair. Gives me a ride back to school after buying me a 24 pack of donuts. Hell yeah. <laughs> well, I told cool him I came for a there. donut. So he bought me a 24 pack and I walk into the class with donuts Everyone lights up with excitement because I'm following Mr. Van Camp, who has a coffee. So clearly, we went to Tim Hortons to get the class donuts, right? Mm-hmm. And everyone's all excited. He looks all he looks off, and he's like, "What? Oh, those are his. You can ask him if you want one." And then just sat down and started the class like he <laughs> wasn't 20 minutes late. Isn't that there a rule? It's like either 10 minutes or 15 so that minutes. D- no, that's not no. Yeah, that's fully that, a that myth. That rule does not exist. It is just a widespread myth. So, fun fact, Shannon. Well, I mean... Do you want to uh, when okay. you can leave class? Um, Whenever. Nothing's stopping you. That's Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and, like, people are like, oh, but that that's how it works for work, so that's how it works for school. No. If you show up and the door is supposed to be unlocked for you to do your work... And the person with the key has not shown up. You are not obligated to wait for them. Your employer might be displeased by this, but you are under no obligation to wait till they show up. Hmm. Your work ethic will be heavily reflected in such, but you can show up and say, hey, I was locked out. The person who was supposed to be there to let me in wasn't there. I mean, well, in this case, we like for my school, we definitely followed that rule, but we just didn't leave. We just stayed in the classroom and did like a study hall. Well, then but... you didn't you didn't follow the rule. You just you thought it existed and chose to not do it anyways. I mean, we got we had better things to do, so I mean, yeah. You guys sounded very self motivated on your own education. Yeah, a little bit. Oh, God. another great thing. Similar topic of going to school when you probably didn't have to. Uh, rewind five years from that incident. So I'm like, that was when I was in grade 11. This would have been grade seven or eight. The heater broke at school and I'm walking mm. to school. And the majority of the kids who would walk to school ahead of me are walking back from school. <laughs> and they all tell me, oh, school's closed. And I'm like, ah, ha, ha, very funny. I keep going. And I get there and the school's closed. <laughs> and I get back. And my mom's like, why'd you finish the walk? I'm like, well, if they were lying and I just went home, you would have been so mad if I didn't check. Mm-hmm. Don't don't come at me right now. <laughs> but no, like school was either an incredibly isolating time for me or just a blur because I was hyper focused too much to notice much. Wasn't it after high school that you did all your traveling? Like, cause oh no, semi during, semi yeah. I remember so, you telling. I me... did a lot of family trips, and then I did a lot of stupid things. Still, technically in high school, just 
not necessarily being supervised. If that makes sense. Yeah. What? Is that when you travel all around America? There, yeah. What? Stop. Sorry, my cat is hyper clawing my leg. Let me go figure out why. God, that would be so cool. I want to go skip school. <laughs> You're a couple of years late for it, man. No, I can go skip college classes. Oh, where was I? Oh, yeah. You're paying no, for those. Yeah. No, there was a just a point in time where I was like, fuck it. I want to cross the states. And I was like 18, 19. Didn't tell my dad I was leaving. Didn't tell really anyone I was leaving. Went down to Kalispell where my aunt lives. Basically did a thing of where I told my grandma, nah, I'll catch a ride back with my aunt while she goes up to visit. And then told my aunt I'm going back with my grandma. Mm-hmm. The communication breakdown there. People didn't have reason to think I was lying. I wasn't doing dumb stuff. I was a very boring kid until I hit 16. And then you went and did some dumb stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. No, I was I like when I was 15, the first time I smoked weed, I called my mom and asked if I could. Mm, yeah. I had like I prior to 16, my family had zero reason not to trust my own judgment. And something in my head when I turned 16 was like, nah, they trust me enough. That trust is well placed. I don't need no one's permission for anything. <laughs> and so I think with $900 to my name, I make it from Monta- like Kalispell, Montana to Chicago, and I run out of money in Chicago, backpacking, hitchhiking, and taking greyhounds every so often. And I'm dead ass out of money in Chicago. Nowhere to charge my phone, which has been dead for days at this yeah. point. Uh-huh. And so what does my, I think, fresh 18 brain decide? Get, oh, get a... I've got a good idea. Let's sneak into a nightclub and try to pickpocket people. They're <laughs> drunk. They won't notice. Okay, I was 18, 19. I don't remember how old I was. It was not a very cognitive point of my life. I was either in grade 12 or graduated, so 18, 19 range. Mm-hmm. But cruise my way through one of the nightclubs. I can't remember which one it was in. I just followed crowd of people till people can form somewhere around nighttime on Saturday. Mm. I think I might have caught a cab with someone. I don't know. I was not very aware of my surroundings. I was very stressed survival mode. Yeah. Because I remember I left the bus station, heard three distinct gunshots, went back into the bus station and kind of just hung out for 12 hours trying to figure out how to get home without asking for help. <laughs> was my big thing is like, I can't ask for help. No one can find out about this. They can't find out that their prominent trust and faith in me was so dumbly misfounded. And fuck, I think I spent like 12 hours in that bus station just talking to different people, just chatting finally found a spot where i could like a outlet where i could charge my phone google maps something and then just went to the nearest nightclub 
waited for a large group to just kind of blend in with. First one I failed, I got asked for ID and then gave ID and I was able to feign ignorance and be like, oh, drinking age is 18 in Canada. Sorry, didn't know. And mm-hmm. guy wasn't mad. He let me go on my way. And I went down the street to the next one, got in, just started going through the dance floor and looking for people who looked incredibly uncoordinated. And I don't know what it is about dudes and their wallet in their back pocket and not realizing how drunk so vulnerable. (laughs) If you are drunk, like everyone's like, I don't know how masterful pickpockets are. 18 year old, barely a brain cell to rub together me in panic mode, walked up, grabbed, continued in crowd. Yeah, I, it just feels so stupid to put your wallet in your back pocket, especially those thick ones that just yeah. are like obvious. Uh, yeah, I would just look for an obvious wallet, grab it, snag 10, 15 bucks, mm-hmm. drop it near him and keep moving because I wasn't yeah. looking to take people's IDs and make their life hard. Right. You know, that's good of you. But at some point, I just because it was coming in and out of like my own wallet was coming in and out of my pocket so much, I put it in my back pocket. Yeah. Like a dumbass. And I bump into a guy because I'd start getting confident, start getting ballsy. I'm like, oh, sorry, man. Bump into him. Keep walking. Grab his wallet. Dude was fucking stacked. He's got like seven, eight hundred bucks in his wallet. And I'm sitting here. Fuck yeah. Bus ticket. Reach for mine. It's gone. Is gone. I'm in full panic mode because my ID's in there. You kind of need that. My passport's not in there, but my ID's in there. So I'm in full panic mode, spinning around like shit, 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 shit. Find Buddy again, who's in full panic mode, like shit, 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 (laughs) shit. We walk up. I think you got something, mine. Yeah, I think you do too. Hands it back, and he totally looked at my ID. He's like, you're not old enough to be in here. I'm like, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> this like, you do not think that you were not going down with me right now because there was no way I was your first pick tonight. Dude takes me to Denny's. I get to try American Denny's for the first time. I did Garbage. not like it. Don't Denny's is not great Denny's. in Canada. It's not great in Canada, but it's very different in Canada, right? Mm-hmm. So I didn't like the menu. Food quality wasn't great to begin with, and I wasn't expecting it to be great, but, like, it already didn't meet that low bar I had. Yeah. Yeah. And then explain to him that I'm a dumbass. He takes basically all the money I snagged at the at the club like that. Oh. Buys me a bus ticket and keeps the rest. Oh. You know... I was, I was still short for a bus ticket. Mm. And then he gave me 50 bucks for food for the, I think it was a four-day bus ride back. Yeah. The bus ride through Canada. No, that was it back oh, no, up we, to Kalispell? So it was back to Kalispell, then back home from there. And what did you just ever tell anybody? I assume I, it's out at this point. No. No, my family still has no idea. <laughs> I have not I have not told this to any of my No, one of my I told my older brother. My older oh, half yeah. brother, I have told this to. 
because he's the one who drove me from Kalispell back to Cranbrook. <laughs> you kind of had to tell him. I I, had, <laughs> I I remember he called me. He's like, hey, how far are you from the border? Because he lives in California. He's like, I'm up in Montana. Should I swing above the border to come see you? I'm like, yeah, but pick me up first. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, I'm sorry. What? I'm like, I really need you to not ask questions and just and just pick me up first, please. And what your uh, family just assumes that you were somewhere in between what? failure so, of communication. Wasn't this so? For like my two father. Months? This was two months. My dad's birthday. My adopted dad, not my biological father. My dad's mm-hmm. birthday is on July first. My birthday is on June twenty second. I was working night shifts at the time and had uh. gotten into a very large fight with him of stop fucking waking me up at 3, 2, 4 p.m. I am trying to sleep. Please, don't wake me. I don't care if you need help in the yard. You need help with something or you want chores done. Give me a list and I will do them early in the morning before I've gone to bed. Or when I wake up and I'm ready to go to work, getting ready to go to work and give myself time to do that. The middle of the afternoon is my goddamn sleep time. Please. Please don't wake me. And I also wasn't really talking to my mom at the time. We had had a a falling out about uh, me choosing a girl over my studies. Mm. Was the, the root of that. And then parents being divorced when you get in a fight with one, the other immediately jumps on your frustration and anger and validates the shit out of it and unintentionally amplifies the shit out of it. Uh-huh. Mm. So I had basically told my dad, leave me be, and he respected that. And I know he respected that because he came into my room one day completely unannounced and unprompted and pointed out that he had not seen me since Christmas. No, he had not seen me since his birthday, which was around Christmas. And he did say Christmas, but he's like, I have not seen you since January. And my brain's like, okay, what's the, oh, it's June. I'm turning, it's my birthday soon. I don't remember which, I don't remember which birthday this was of mine. Wasn't 18 because I had forgotten my own 18th birthday and needed to be reminded partway through the day. (laughs) So I think this was 1920 and he just points out to me like, hey. I have not seen you, and my brain thinks he's calling me out for fucking off for two months. Mm-hmm. No, he was just so much respecting my sleep schedule that if my door was closed during the day, he didn't open it. <laughs> and for the, all of them, the other yeah. amount of time that I was back, I was out socializing because I'd finally built a social circle in town, which was mm. not something I'd had pre-grade six until after graduation. Wow. He just left me be and assumed I was out with friends. <laughs> That's crazy that they just don't know. Yeah. You went on a whole fucking ex- escapade and they just if never was, heard about it. I mean, if it was my he did, parents. He did think it was weird for two months that he hadn't seen evidence of me, but mm-hmm. by the time I got back, he noticed I left breadcrumbs from when I made a sandwich. Or like he was noticed because I was the only one that ate peanut butter sandwiches in that house. Mm-hmm. So to his brain, it could have just been a, huh, he stopped eating peanut butter for a little while there. We were not going through as much of it. But there was still evidence I was in the house, if that makes sense. Like, 
excluding that that two and I'd say like a two and a half month gap, there was still evidence that I was in the house because I ate a lot of pizza pops as a early like early adult, late teenager. Mm-hmm. A lot of peanut butter, a lot of quick, easy meals that I could make in the middle of the night without waking anybody while when I wasn't at work. Right. So there was evidence that I was still a person, but not enough that he felt the need to do much more. And I think he was basing it off of if there was evidence that I was in, he'd come check on me. And I'm sure there were times that he came into my room and I wasn't home. If that makes sense. But he would then just check again later. And I'm sure whether my shoes were there or not were a big indicator. My grandma had just bought me new shoes in Kalispell. (laughs) No, before, before the trip to Kalispell, my grandma had just bought me new shoes. So the shoes that I had been wearing for two years prior to going to the, that's why I went unnoticed is because my shoes were still Mm. there. You left your shoes. I there. just left them in the mudroom because shoes go in the mudroom. I'll figure out where my old shoes can go later. Uh huh. And I, <laughs> I was sitting here thinking like, there's no way I was this stealthy and like there because didn't get anyone to cover for me. None of that crap. Hmm. That I, I just pieced that bit of the puzzle together on my my own there. <laughs> I just know my parents would have fucking lost it if, like, I was gone oh, for that long. So that's very impressive. You that weren't just... noct- I'm sure you're not. You weren't nocturnal at the time, though. No, that's true. Like, even before I went and did this, I had been nocturnal. Even while I was attending school full time, I was still more nocturnal than I was awake during the day. If I didn't have school, I didn't wake up till six p.m. And it's not like I didn't get my chores or anything like that needed to be done, not accomplished. I'd go out and like fucking pull weeds in the dark because I'd rather do that than do it in the day. I my dad like pulling was, weeds in the dark is really nice. My dad thought I was really weird, but he eventually respected having a night position, like working night shift. Let me have my time to sleep. Yeah. And to be fair, my way of Getting that across to him is I threatened to wake him up at three in the morning or two in the morning every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And see how he feels. And it was also the only time I ever va- like adamantly came yelling at my dad. Mm. I hadn't I was a very calm and placid child to my parents, which I'm sure for you, Malcolm, is ironic <laughs> because as an adult, I am very confrontational and aggressive. I mean, I think I I know a lot of kids like that who, as kids, very little wrong with them or like they were gifted and talented. And as adults, they just can't. Yeah. They're, they're just done. Like, uh huh. I was super well behaved as a kid. I was so mature for my age. I've now hit the point uh-huh. where I don't have time for anyone's bullshit except my own because I have enough of it on my own. You ever called an old soul? You hear that one? Yes. So <laughs> much. Uh huh. <laughs> my mom calls me like you're such an old soul yeah one quote i heard that i love gifted child makes for displaced adult uh-huh and i very much feel like that was the case and part of why my teenage and early adult years were just fuck it let's be a kid yeah, yeah. and then back on the topic of travel sorry 
ADHD oh, is going to be. You, you get to see the ADHD in full work of how the trains of my brain travel. I mean, you've gone over some of the questions just by talking, so it's uh-huh. it's nice. That's good. I flew down That's to Texas really. when I was for travels. I've been to Mexico twice, been to Cuba, been to Texas, been to North Dakota, South Dakota, California, Montana, Idaho, Oregon. Seattle's in Washington, been to Washington. Mm-hmm. Yes. Seattle's not great, but I've been Washington's to Ohio. Lovely. Washington's lovely. I mean, that's where I grew up, but what, whatever mountain forests on an ocean. What state is Chicago in? Illinois. Thank yeah. you. I've been there. Still never been to Colorado, huh? No. It's one of the few states I haven't been. Uh, I went down to Florida for a trip to Disney World and for a funeral that I never ended up getting to attend. Mm. Um, Florida's weird. Ooh, Texas, give someone a hug. Hey. Some friend of mine was sad, so I flew to Texas to give her a hug. She stole my hoodie. That's, Damn her. That's sweet. <laughs> I knew she was going to steal my hoodie, too, so I brought a decoy hoodie. Ah. Did she steal both of them? Nope. Only the decoy one. So I've had the same now ratty-ass hoodie since, I will say, I was 13. Damn. And it's still, like, in good condition. It's got no elbows. Oh. <laughs> it still is in one piece. Yeah. Uh, it does have a couple stab marks. Ah. There was one one of the times I was I've been stabbed. I was wearing it. So it is it has been punctured, and then it also has been punctured from a near stab attempt. Attempt. Yeah. Attempt. Didn't say that right. Yeah, you've been stabbed a couple of times, huh? Just randomly and also purposefully. I've been stabbed purposefully twice, and me and my brother have both been stabbed in Butte, Montana, of all places, in the same way. I don't know much about Butte, so... Uh, No, no, I'm not going to give context. Just Google it. That says enough. Oof. Oof. I know my dad works there sometimes. So, this is... Got a huge mine. Yeah, that's true. The cop, it's got one of the biggest copper mines in the world. Yep, I believe third biggest. But, um, no, so my brother's walking, because this happened to him first, so I'll explain it. And Buddy falls into him. Mm-hmm. Catches him, he helps him up. We continue walking a bit, continue moving, going going on the way, doing the thing, doing the, like just planning to go out to drink. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's New Year's. It'll be a fun night, right? Yeah. And then we notice he's bleeding because he's been stabbed. And the only time we can assume it was when drunken dude almost fell over. So caught him. Where was he stabbed? Uh, Lower abdomen on the left side. So like like near kidney, near kidney area. The death area where you're not supposed to be stabbed. He was 280 pounds. He he had some padding. 
Damn. And then you got stabbed in basically the same way. Yeah. Only mine was in my arm. Oh no, that was the that was the one we talked about where I think Buddy Mai just scratched me with that one, but uh no, so mine was in similar spot and then I had something reminiscent happened where buddy fell and like scratched my arm really bad and i was questioning if i had been stabbed but i think i probably just caught something sharp on the jacket or or something nails because like it was a good cut but like closer to a cat scratch than a knife cut Mm. gotcha and then the other time was when i was in middle school with my own pocket knife fighting two kids from you yeah so i was fighting two kids And I just shoulder checked one of them as hard as I could into like the baseball dugout that was there. Mm -hmm. And he he fell down into it. And then I went at the other one and just started laying into him as quickly as I could. Because having been bullied incredibly for a while, right? Like just severe bullying since grade two, really, when I first switched schools, Mm -hmm. I got to learn from a young age when you're fighting multiple people. Make it so that it's not multiple. Decisively find a way to take someone out. Because first fight I got into, I punched a kid who had been bullying me for three months. And then his buddy beamed me in the back of the head. So. So it was a very teachable moment, I'll call it. Mm. So I, I learned, A, never turn your back on someone's friends while in a fight. And B, make it so Buddy can't ha- jump in to help you if the other ones are trying to fight you too. Not help you, but help him. And also, I've basically pinned Buddy down, and I'm quite content on Kate. He's about to he's about to give in. Nobody likes being pinned. He's, he's going to calm down. And suddenly my leg feels funny. I turn back and Buddy has crawled out of the dugout and is holding my pocket knife to my calf where my leg feels funny. And then I realize he stabbed me with my own pocket knife. Jesus. And it was a pretty dull blade, so he had to he had to give that a good go. It didn't get in very deep, but it was enough that it I was aware of it, right? Gotcha, yeah. I think it was like maybe an inch, inch and a quarter in. It was holding its place because he had his hand on it still. Well, he looked at me. Otherwise, he lets go and it falls out. Which let me tell you, I would have rather he pulled that out. Mm-hmm. Fight stops. The other kids like, why'd you do that? Right? Because when your your one buddy goes a little too far, mm-hmm. fully brain stops and. Dude, what the fuck's wrong with you? Brain kicked in. So, so now me, stabbed me and the dude who I was just punching and like put in a very shitty like middle school arm bar oh, prior God. are yelling at the other dude like, "What's wrong with you?" He's like, "Well, he was he was beating you up." He's like, "We attacked him. He was coming at me." He's like, "Well, he he launched me into the dugout," and he's like, "And I'm sitting like, you punched me." No shit I launched you in the dugout. What was I supposed to do? And he's like, well, punch me back. And uh, it was 
it was a surprisingly funny moment of just there was a fair fight happening and you escalated <laughs> yeah to be fair the kid who jumped in was awesome all three of us were heavily bullied and the unfortunate part about canadian middle schools where i grew up is the bullied kids didn't band together they tried to fight for hierarchy almost mm. they needed and, to be above you so they could bully yeah. you and feel better a few years later as they got closer to high school they started banding together but when you go from elementary school to middle school here they all kind of like just a bunch of schools con condense into each other mm. which kids are not really really adjusted for that transition at 12 or 10 yeah kids aren't adjusted for much at 12 or 10 yeah so the bullying escalated that pretty much everyone was dealing with and i answered it by getting aggressive because words and going to teachers wasn't working oh i four times i also was stabbed with a pencil in the same school's hallways Ooh. Ooh. and i was in trouble because i called him a mean name which i don't remember what it was you you called him a mean name he stabbed you yep spoiled little How white bad? boy uh pencil into my palm real like Ooh, that one ouch. that one like i was worried it went through when he yeah. first got me Ooh, that's rough like not quite the palm you know like the pressure point where you like most people put to stop a headache between your thumb and your index yep right there mm. but on like the Ooh. palm side Ugh. Ooh. Ugh. and then he pulled it out and then cranked me in the shoulder like in the like tried to go for my shoulder or bicep area and that one I managed to avoid, but like he wasn't aiming for my hand. I think he was aiming for my chest and I just put my hand, I don't know where he was aiming, but it was enough that my hand went up to go, whoa. And I got in trouble and put in an in-school suspension because something. And he got because a Because you started it is his story. And because I had already had a history of quote-unquote fights, because if kid pushed me, I decked kid. I, mm -hmm. I very much retaliated with my, – my brain was under the mindset of if I eventually come at you more aggressively than you can muster to me, you'll stop coming at me and other people will stop coming at me. But I mean, maybe not the best advice to anybody – any kid listening, but it fucking worked, right? At, no, actually – I started doing that in grade seven and it didn't work until grade 11. Hmm. And no grade 10, like the end of grade 10, start of grade 11. It finally worked because I started throwing the first punch when words were used. Oh. I started becoming the go ahead, pick on me. I will end it before it starts, which I started getting in trouble for that when school. Uh, cops got involved in only one of my fights, luckily. Teachers only really got involved in four of them. My first, second, third, and the third cops also got involved in. Mm. And I say fights as in they happened after school, like not at lunch, because stuff that happened at lunch was usually way more toned down and chill. Yeah, because mm, you couldn't yeah. do that shit in front of teachers. You, you no. couldn't do that as bad in front of teachers. So it was like throwing a couple, like it was punching each other a couple times, calling each other mm -hmm. some names, and scattering before the teacher could 
come over and recognize what was happening. There's usually a lookout kind of thing. And even if the kid wasn't into it, everyone pissed off before it got too bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They were still fights, but like a schoolyard fight and a and an after school after fight school. were very different. So what was the third fight about? I don't think I've heard this story. Uh, uh you might have. I just don't usually mention that cops got involved. So playing dodgeball in gym, grade seven. Uh-huh. And buddy on my team backs up into me and we both trip. Mm. And I get up and he, he goes, watch where you're fucking going. I'm like, you're the one who ran into me, you dumb fuck. Well, I then learned that this kid has been held back three, four years and is emotionally stunted, mm. particularly anger regulation. So he starts trying to throw hands in the middle of gym class. Teacher immediately steps in because she was it was someone she was watching closely just because problematic situation. Well, for the next two weeks, every day after school, he was trying to chase me down. And luckily, I only lived like a block and a half from the school. And these are small town blocks. So I'd say maybe. Oh, God. I'm actually just going to pull it up on Google Maps and get the distance because I remember it's not very far. Like, is this like a 30 meter situation? No, like, so there's the school, three townhouses, a strip mall, corner store thing, right? Mm-hmm. A funeral home, an apartment complex, and a church, and then I'm home. And there's two intersections in between those. Like, not very far. So you could pretty consistently get in the door before he could get to you. Well, get to the property line where my dad was usually home and my dad was a massive dude. Mm. And you don't want to beat up a kid in front of the 15, 16-year-old kid isn't going to chase 12, 13-year-old kid into reach of dad. Mm -hmm. So this has been going for about two weeks, and I was biking home. Because I just got tired of outrunning him, mm-hmm. which I mean, I was in track and field, taekwondo, soccer, and went mountain biking every weekend with my friends. So I was fit. I was able to easily outpace him. In one Whoa. sprint, I could go from the school to my house. But that but was, was getting annoying. Away. Yeah, it was annoying. So I decided to bike because biking's faster. Mm-hmm. Well, he comes up behind me to try and grab me off my bike, and I boot him in the face. Mm. And I hear him fall. So I pedal away, make it about the first block from the school. And I stop at the crosswalk because I'm not going to bike into oncoming traffic. Mm-hmm. And suddenly I hear on the pavement behind me. Turn around. And he's got me by the straps of my backpack and it's just ripped me off the bike. To which I throw my backpack to the ground. And immediately took a Taekwondo stance. Immediately a martial arts defensive stance. And because of that, I wasn't able to press charges for assault. Mm-hmm. Because I didn't try to de-escalate the situation with the mm-hmm. words. I prepared for an oncoming hit. And this kid has a reputation at the time of one-shotting most kids he's fighting with just an instant knockout. Because he was in boxing before he got kicked out. 
So he's, he's learned how to three years older than everyone else. He's yeah, he's three, four years older than everyone else. At a point in time where he's mid puberty, I'm prepubescent, and he decks me. And I remember he does a big haymaker with his right arm, mm-hmm. and I pull up to block it with like this, this really stupid L block, where I put my forearm to try and catch his elbow. Mm-hmm. And he just mm-hmm. my arm collapses under the force he's using, and he gets me anyways. Yeah, I probably slowed down the punch a substantial amount, but it really didn't feel like I did at the time. He breaks my nose on impact. Oof. Blood is immediately sp- like splattered on the pavement. It was there for months after. And I take a knee from this. I'm still wearing my biking helmet, which I eventually got a full face after this for reasons. Mm-hmm. But I stand up and he turns back and I hear him go, you're still up. And ears ringing with rage, I throw all of my weight into a forward boot kick to his solar plex. No martial arts behind this. No experience in the other fights I had been in. Just, I'm going to throw all 105 pounds of me into your chest. You suck. And I land a pretty good hit. He takes it pretty much perfectly and is not phased. I pushed him back and he holds his stomach for a moment while his two friends are watching and I'm keeping an eye, real close eye on them. But I don't know if either of you have broken your nose, but for those who are listening to the podcast, if you have, you know what I'm about to explain. For those of you who haven't, you're blind. Your eyes are just watering. You ever yeah. scratched the inside of your nose by accident? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Like your, the immediate tear up? Oh, yeah. That. But like for the next 20 minutes. Ooh. So your face is just leaking blood and just leaking tears. And the way he broke my nose was minimal damage to the bone, but he stripped the cartilage off the bone. Damn. Ouch. Yeah. So it's it's not the worst break in the world. It's not like my nose did a crook to the side. The structural integrity of my nose is still there. It's just my nose was floating for a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that now means that the weight of my nose is being supported by the skin of my nose rather than the muscle tissues. And the like, cartilage tissue and all like the innards of your nose, right? So breathing was agony, and breathing through my mouth, I was just the blood was pooling in if I was doing that. But you also can't breathe through a nosebleed, so I'm sitting there just huffing, getting ready for his next hit, which I can only see like the silhouette of him. Mm-hmm. And out of nowhere, in the middle of a pretty busy street, someone slams on their brakes behind me gets out of the car and just starts screaming the f- is wrong with you. And this old, like this lady's just going at us, scares the other kids off. And I've still got my hands up, not knowing what the fuck is going on. Mm-hmm. She's like, do, do you need a ride home? Do you need a ride to the hospital? Are you okay? And I'm like, no, don't, no, I, no I, I can't get in the car with a stranger. <laughs> my brain completely disregarding that this lady just came to my rescue. Cause I'm sure he was going to beat my ass in the next week. Mm-hmm. No, 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 I don't live far. I don't live far. I'll be fine. So she parks a car nearby, helps give me some Kleenex to fix the blood because I am just covered in it, helps right. stop the bleeding. 
and then insists on walking me home. And I'm like, okay, you can walk 10 feet behind me because I'm sure I had a concussion. And that was my mm. rationality of no, no, you can't walk <laughs> with me home, but you can follow me home. If you, if you really want to make sure I'm okay, you can follow me home. I won't ride my bike. I'll just walk in. She's like, could you ride your bike? And I don't think so. Uh-huh. I don't think I could. Mm. I was just adamantly not letting her be too close to me because I was so panic mode. So then my mom goes to press charges and he comes up after learning about this and goes to apologize to me. And I very sarcastically go, yeah, and I'm sorry my mom's pressing charges, but I guess we'll see you in court. And then I learned that because of how the situation prior to the fight was handled, they don't think we have a case. Ugh. And the cops did not want to, the RCMP did not want to further pursue the situation. Mm -hmm. That's rough. Despite this kid having a history of stuff like this. And sucks i don't know the full story behind him because i kind of avoided him like the plague after that but to my understanding uh if, i think the stunted development is from fetal alcohol mm -hmm. if i remember correctly i haven't seen the kid in years but my mom actually worked at the cafeteria to one of the like social programs that he was a part of mm -hmm. and when he found out my mom was pressing charges, he responded with, what, but your mom loves me. And my brain just kind of went, you just broke her oldest son's nose. <laughs> I, how much love you think you got, buddy? And that was the moment where I realized he wasn't coming at me out of genuine malice. He was coming at me because it was the only way he could regulate his emotions. Mm. Because he didn't see the connection between hurting me and my mom not appreciating that. And that's when I lost a lot of aggression towards him and just replaced it with pity. So we've had a lot of fun here on the podcast today, but we are getting close to our uh, closing time. So we will be having a, a next episode with Val. So stay tuned for that. We're going to talk more about maybe his uh, political views and his religious views. Um, but thank you so much, Val, for coming on the podcast and hanging out with us and telling us your fun stories about traveling and school and cutting school. Um, <laughs> a lot of cutting school. And yeah, I am a very much a storyteller and someone who likes entertaining so it's very natural for me to just start reminiscing about stuff mm -hmm. and especially things that i've done that's exciting that i really look back on like yeah <laughs> i was a dumbass but hey i came out of it with a good story yep but of course like always housekeeping stuff uh thank you to nadia diaz for our podcast cover art her instagram is in the description but it is at Arthead Creations on Instagram. Go check it out. Um, I'm currently talking to her about getting a piece of work done. So if you ever want to message her to do some commissions for art, um, go ahead and hit her up. She's always down to get art commissions. Um, 
And then also thank you to Jensen Crawl who made our intro and outro for the podcast. He has his demo out on Spotify for his uh, musical Tea Time. Uh, the song is called Knocking on Doors. And I'm still trying to get a link from him uh, about his musical theater writing workshop that's been part of a two-year writing program. Um, so I will try and get on top of that as soon as possible. But if it's in the description, go check it out. And once again, thank you, Val, for hanging out with us. We will see you again next time uh, for the podcast. But until then, uh, everybody have a great time. Goodbye. Take care.